Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Ron Cat Tide, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was the magical Mr. Mistopheles on the U.S. National Tour 6 of Cats. So welcome, Paul Giratano. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hello, hello. I enjoy Mistopheles because it's such a fun character, and there's so many uh, questions for, <laughs> for the magic of Mistopheles and the dance number and all the other stuff that comes with it. So... We will get to your tour and your cat and the story and all the craziness, but I always love asking, especially the group that went on tour with you, when, what was your introduction to cats? Was it the 98 movie? Was it a touring production? Was it seeing on Broadway? When did, when were you first introduced to the show? Yeah. Um, I was one of those people who had never seen cats. I never, I didn't grow up with the VHS. Like so many of my peers, I feel were like, mm-hmm. oh, I watch that movie all the time. Um, I knew of Cats, of course. I just, I actually don't think I saw a full production of it until tour, which is kind of funny. Um, my intro to this show and like this version was really like when I got this um, video submission to audition. And I was like, all right, let's dive in. Let's go to YouTube and like really <laughs> look up some stuff. That's awesome. So this was, cause this is like coming out of COVID, right? Like this is the tour coming back. So this was a, you were doing all these auditions, like this was video, this was like virtual and pretty much all process virtual. Yeah, everything was like started out virtual. And I think Cats was actually my first audition after COVID. Like it was like the first thing that I was like, all right, I'll submit for this and here we go. And then it all just kind of snowballed from there, which is kind of crazy wow. when I think about it now. <laughs> yeah. Been hold up for so long. And then I was like, yeah, this one. Let's do this one. <laughs> yeah. So, and for sure, like, it's kind of a wild, wild one to do. And have, at that point, like, had you started to figure out, like, it seems like now the virtual audition and the taping is just kind of second nature, but was it really new at that point for you? Yeah, definitely very new. And also like coming, I definitely came from more of a concert dance background, which like, you know, dance companies, modern contemporary. So, um, even like the whole musical theater side of things was also kind of new for me. And I was like, Oh, I guess this is how, I guess round one is a tape. And that was like new. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it was new for yeah. people like during the pandemic, but like just the whole scope of it was new. And I was like, Oh, I gotta like film myself and I gotta learn these things and I gotta get some studio space and set up the camera. Um, just a lot of fun. Like learning, I mean, learning new things is always fun, a little bit scary, but, yeah, I think it all worked out in the end. <laughs> so I'll, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, as coming from a dancer, like a dancing background, and then going into this whole like musical theater, and not just musical theater, like now you're in full costume, you're singing some, <laughs> right? Like you have a couple that you've got to definitely participate in. You're doing this on tour. I mean, what is that transition like for you going from, pure dance to heavy dance, but like also a full musical production. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cats is like a dance dream show. It's like so much dancing and like amazing choreography. And so that is a big blessing. The singing is like 
all right, Paul, <laughs> we got some work to do. Definitely at first was like a bit scary, but the more you do it and just kind of be like, all right, you're here for a reason. Like, let's do this. And then each day you hope it gets better and better. And just like the confidence with it. I think it's like a huge thing of confidence um, that only comes with practice. And the more you do it. Mm-hmm. So you go on tour and this is really this tour, like when you started going, this was really the first time I think that Cats was going back out after COVID. Like you were on the road and bringing this back to the public after it got abruptly paused in you know, March of 2020. So how was the like early reactions for you with the audience? Like how, how did people start to like, you know, was there some like fear of being back out in public? Cause I remember when you started your tour, I kind of just started going back to things and I'm like, should we be here? Are we here yet? Are we, have we made it to that point yet? And it's like such a unique show to, to make that. I'm like, was always early, like interested by your early audiences. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely like, I think the two sides of it, like people were very excited to be able to go to a theater and see a show. Um, but kind of like what you were saying at the same time, it's like, what's the etiquette? What's our new protocol? Like, should I be sitting right next to somebody? Should I, you know, is it okay to take my mask off? Things like that. Like we just, it was still so new and so fresh. We didn't know. And even like for us as performers, we were kind of like, we have to figure it out as we go, I guess. Um, but early on, I think the overall reaction was just people were excited to see something, see live performance again and just that magic, you know, rather than looking at a silver screen or looking at their TV again, you know, they wanted that special connection that you can only get from my performance. And I think it just was like a long time coming for a lot of people. So it was like a big exhale, like mm-hmm. woo, we can see a show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think too, like when you walk out and it's such a, a unique show that there's also the like fun of that of like, okay, I, you know, I just really enjoyed that experience. It was different. It was almost it, it with it being a junkyard too. It's also kind of like a, I always, I always thought like, oh, it's a little bit of an easy way back into society here. Like, you know, it's such a bizarre <laughs> thing. It's not like you're going to see a, a concert. Like it's, it's different. It's very different. Yeah, that is true. And I will say it was a little upsetting that we couldn't, for my version of the tour, like we didn't have the audience interaction, which would have been so fun. But I mean, I get it. I totally get it. Safety absolutely comes first. Um, but yeah, it's still is like a totally different world. You come in, you see the junkyard, you're like, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. They're starting to, (laughs) they're starting to bring back green eyes in other countries. So I'm thinking, you know, if you ever get to go on again and you do cats in a, you know, another, another part of your career, uh, you might get that, that opportunity. All right. We'll see. Who's to say. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I want to ask about Mustafelis. So I, I always love hearing, how you're explained your character and the story and the relationships you're supposed to play versus what you had to add yourself. So let's start within the rehearsal process. What are you told as here's who the magical Mr. Mustafli is as a cat? Yeah, I'll definitely say when we started, I feel like, so I know you've had, I know you've heard, you know, Christy comes in and she does her whole, catch spiel and she gives us the breakdown and the rundown but we started rehearsals before she could get there i think there was also some like covid flying things Mm -hmm. that were happening for her 
So I have to say at the beginning, I feel like there wasn't too much explanation. It was kind of like, let's, you know, play with the script, play with the score and kind of like formulate your own opinion of your cat. And then a couple of weeks later, Chrissy had come in and kind of broke it down for us. And I feel like for Mistopheles, it was never like too detailed. It was like, Mistopheles is this cool cat and he's like, kind of in the tribe but kind of hangs out on his own and then he like saves his day and he's friends with Tucker it was like very up for interpretation for me which was like a lot of fun um because I feel like I had a lot to play with because it wasn't so set in stone of like this is Mistopheles he only likes these cats and he only does this um yeah I'm I'm, like really trying to go back in the archives (laughs) yeah I feel like for Misto it was like to me, he always felt like he was like periphery to the tribe. Um, he's definitely a part of the tribe, but like he kind of like comes and goes, I felt. And like when he pleases and he's like chilling. And then when he needs to show off and do something fun or cool or like help the cats out with some magic, he's like, I got you guys. Don't worry. You know? Yeah. So that, so I kind of, I'm fascinated by the fact that you got to kind of create your own before you got to hear Chrissy's. So you all as a group were kind of just like not creating your own interpretation, Like there's plenty of history of the show at that point, but you are kind of creating some of these relationships probably based on who you're early friends with on the, the cast and who you're spending your time with and who's your roommate potentially and all those things in between. So you like, did those parts play more of a factor of like the like the the big one for Mistopheles is always Tugger and Mistopheles. And like, are they friends? Are they together? Is there like a relationship there? And I know you played it with Zach and um, like how much of that was what you and Zach kind of created or played around with versus was like, Ooh, this is supposed to be ambiguous or this is supposed to be you together. Yeah. I think it's definitely a little bit of both. I mean, you have the material like, you know, during Tugger's number, Misto comes out and kind of, shows Tugger off and has a little dance moment with him. Um, So there's definitely like what's staged and what's there. But then of course we also were like, Oh, you know, how can we create kind of our own relationship? Are they together? Are they not together? Should we keep it mysterious? Which is what I feel like we kind of (laughs) played with is the mystery of it all. You know, it doesn't have to be so set in stone. It's like, Ooh, I'm going to flirt with Tugger. And then some other times it'll be like, eh, he's kind of bothering me. Oh, everything is everything, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. And then those moments, so I mean, then so special now- about cats is like um, the moments, the in-between moments that like sometimes show to show can change. So there will be connections yeah. that maybe you weren't making the night before or, you know, just kind of like we do as people in our everyday lives, like things happen or you make eye contact with somebody else one night and where does the story go from there? Which is really fun. And I think like one of the beauties of cats as the musical, like as a show, um, is that there is some room for interpretation with that. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, completely. And so I got, I want to go back to when you're doing this, even with Chris, like when Chrissy comes in, then what did she add or like, what was there anything that she said where you had, like, is it total opposite of what you had kind of just created or thought about? Like, is there anything that she was like, oh, wait, hold on. Or for, I guess when she's saying it to you, you're like, wait, I, I was thinking it differently. Now I got to like adjust. 
I don't think so. I, to be <laughs> to be honest, and I could be wrong, but I don't remember. Like Chrissy did go through each cat, but I don't remember there being too much detail about Mistopheles, which I kind of found funny. Um, I remember her going, Mistopheles has a really great number, <laughs> and he is a magic cat. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes. I do know that. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of it was up for my interpretation of it, which I know I keep saying, but like, oh, like I'm it. standing next to Jelly Lorem right here, or like, why are we the ones who fall asleep together at the ball, or, you know, things like that, which is always, always fun. Yeah, it sounds like Chrissy kind of is like, all right, I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you the short, a short version today because I had to come in late. Um, and just get you, get you off and running. Um, I, I think the other question I have for you is during that process, like what other, you know, this is run for 40 plus years. How much did you do your own, like Mustafa's research of like, maybe this is what Jacob Brent said, or this is what somebody else said, or here's what I, I saw them do in the 98 movie, or I saw them do in 2016. How much of that got brought in versus how much of it is a, I got to create my own version of this. Cause that is also the beauty of the show. Yeah, I'll definitely say, like, on the dance portion, I mean, like, I'm so grateful to have played Mistopheles and, like, all the Mistopheles before me have been so amazing and, like, really want to give them their props. Um, just, like, you know, it's like a dancer's dream. So I think, like, dance-wise, I would look at the Mistopheles number and different videos and be like, wow, that's, like, really cool how they're bringing their own kind of flair to it and, you know, staying true to the character and the choreography. Um and then, of course, every role you want to make your own and kind of put your footprint on it. So really just finding that balance of like, okay, how can I honor this and this like iconic piece of musical theater history? And then how can I bring me to it? Um, which I felt like I mostly was able to dive into through the dance portion of it, which is really fun. Just like such a dream. Such a dream. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a iconic number and and dance part part of the show so it's like as a dance i'm sure that getting to do the turns and everything is is a, <laughs> a huge thing um i want to go to your tour when you were on tour were you did you stop home did you get to kind of have like a spot where you got to bring in like a bunch of friends and family get to see it and if you did how did you explain to them what they were going to go see if they also <laughs> were a group that didn't grow up with the vhs and knew what they were getting into yeah, we had a stop in New Jersey, which I'm from Long Island. So that was the closest um, place. And okay. then also like friends, a bunch of people live in the city. And for people that don't know the show or don't know anything, I like to not tell them anything. I would just be like, go in with an open mind. And I would say, just try to enjoy what you see. Like just enjoy the music, enjoy the dancing. And then from there, like, you know, create whatever journey you want <laughs> or whatever narrative you want. Um, but I tried to like really not give too much um, because I think it's just, you don't need, you can have the narrative and you can have um, all of that with the show. But really for people that didn't know, it's like, just enjoy, enjoy what you're seeing, enjoy live performance, enjoy the dancing and enjoy the amazing music. I love it. So there's just like, don't, don't even think about it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to dig in. Uh, did you get any weird reactions from friends and family of like, I mean, obviously they, I think some people would know it. And then obviously your, 
Like they're seeing you perform, which is always so cool to get to see somebody, you know, doing it. But did anybody be like, all right, hold on. What did I watch? <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely a couple of people. They'd be like, wow, you're really like on your hands and knees crawling like a yeah. cat. And I was like, well, what'd you think? You know, I'm going to be walking on two legs. Um, definitely a little bit. And I think it really seeing, you know, somebody who's not used to that, seeing somebody transform into a cat with like our costumes and like the makeup and our wigs like we have such an amazing costume team makeup department wig department and like we totally transform and i think that's really cool but also a little weird for some people yeah it's <laughs> definitely like, i guess oh, different yeah it's, it's different <laughs> yeah you, you go from you know if you're seeing and i don't even want to say traditional broadway because it's like it's all theater is theater but if you're going to see like book of mormon or or you know or you know, something that's not the lion king or wicked or something where there's like that heavy adjustment then you're dressed up in just a costume and you know not full-on unitard and makeup and wig and tail and and to your point like you're becoming a cat right <laughs> so one of my favorite things about hearing from everyone who's been on tour is the chaos i think that comes along with being on tour and being on the road and moving so I want to hear a couple of your fun stories. Like, what do you remember some of the funny moments that happen being on tour, either on stage, off stage that are a podcast appropriate, I guess, you know, like what are the, but there's just some like crazy stuff I hear that has happened as you tour the United States as cats, you know, like in a very unique show that definitely makes waves when it comes through a town. So I'd love to hear just a couple of your memories from, from being on tour. (laughs) One of the stories I think of, which is just fun and I think endearing for everybody, which isn't so much with the show. I'll I'll try to give the show a story from the show, but we were on the bus and I don't remember exactly the situation, but we totally, the bus got stuck in like the mud. We were like pulling up. I think we were like right next to a theater and We had to drive through a field, maybe. I don't know. Something happened where we were not on the road. We were on like grass, muddy grass, and the bus totally got stuck in the mud. And it was just so funny because we were so close. And it just became like a whole big ordeal that we were stuck in the mud. And we did not live that one down for a couple of weeks. Very fun. Wow. Just like having a bunch of cats on the bus, stuck in the mud, can't go anywhere. <laughs> We're like, what's going on? Uh, Do you remember that. where that was? To be honest, I have no idea. I feel like all the cities have just like yeah. <laughs> blended <laughs> together. Yeah, it's got to be. It's when you're on tour, and especially a tour where you're box and truck, right? Or you're mostly like, or bus and truck where you're going city to city sometimes two you know two places a week three places a week at at the most extreme times you're you're probably unsettled and thankfully you're not like a musician where you got to like thank the city or like you're doing your number the junkyard's still the junkyard in every city um but it's got to be a little disorienting yeah definitely i mean you know as performers always just super grateful to be performing but some of those days are difficult when you're on the bus all day and then you have to go right to the theater and do a show but just like tapping into this is like what i want to do and seriously like the whole tour i was just so grateful to be performing again um so i didn't take it for granted one day and like to be with such amazing people and who always kept it lighthearted, and we try to keep it fun and 
that's the beauty also of touring with like a cast and they become family. So when somebody, you know, needs a little extra love that day, everyone kind of flocks to that person and then it just kind of shifts organically, which is so nice. Yeah. It's a tribe. You're a tribe You're in, yeah. in all senses of the world. Um, yeah. What about some onstage fun? Did you have any crazy, crazy memories <laughs> from stuff that happened or, you know, that, that were I'm trying unexpected? To think specifics. I mean, there was always like fun it was never a dull moment in the junkyard. Some of my favorite moments would just be, and I guess it's mostly only funny to me because the audience doesn't really know, but like sometimes the Misto jacket would glitch <laughs> and it just always created a fun Mistopheles number. So like- What, what do you mean The glitch? jacket, <laughs> yeah. the lights are very tech heavy. <laughs> um, and sometimes like the jacket is supposed to light up rainbow at this specific point. And then it would just be like one little part would just like <laughs> blink and blue. And it's nobody's fault. Like whatever it's technology, things happen, <laughs> but it would just be kind of funny to me. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I bet you some of the super fans noticed that. Cause there are some cats fans that like know I'm every sure inch did. of the show. That uh, jacket is yeah. amazing though. Like whoever designed that, whoever like, it's so freaking cool. And like, my favorite is when it's like the rainbow light up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'd always be like, I'm taking this home. And they'd be like, yeah. no, you're not, Paul. It is way too expensive. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You're, yeah, that's a, it is a, I mean, that number is iconic. Like it is, there's, when you think about the show, there are definitely pieces that are more well known. And Mustafa's turns are, are one of those things that it's like, it's people know it's coming and it's super, super well known and people are excited for it. I also think it says because of where it is in the show, it's like this, this moment where you've kind of been through a lot at that point. Like it's towards the end, you've been through a whole lot. Like I can't even imagine as a performer, but even as an audience, like you've watched a lot of different parts of this piece. And it's like, this is going to be my, my kind of like fun solo little dance piece before we get to the end and memory. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's right, right at the end. You've done a full show. Um, I definitely think they have that in mind, though, with the staging. There's definitely uh, some other cast mates <laughs> would not like me to forget. There's Mister has breathable moments, especially in Act One, um, where he's just kind of off stage, which is nice because then when it comes to Act Two. I'll say that the number is deceitfully harder than it looks, I think. Like, even, like, mm -hmm. learning it, watching it, I was like, oh, cool. Like, great. We got this, Paul. And then you start doing it, and you're like, oh, this is, like, a big cardio moment. You got to be ready. <laughs> yeah. Like, when we were in Denver, that eighth show or, like, the last show in Denver, I remember my legs feeling so heavy. It wasn't so much, like, the breathing, the oxygen, just, like, my legs. I mean... I think it's related to the oxygen, but my legs felt so heavy. I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's no way I'm going to jump around for eight minutes. Like, can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But it something is, happened. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting you say that because there is that piece of like, when is the, um, like, how do you, how do they create your track to allow you that, that moment knowing you're going to get this like eight minute full on cardio workout two hours two fifteen into the show you know like versus yeah. the balls kind of in the middle and some of these other parts that are i think really dance heavier are mixed through so they have to yeah. like find those spots for you you don't you don't get to be old deuteronomy and just like sit there for a while <laughs> right i mean everybody is working very hard in the show 
Um, the biggest moment actually is, which I always find interesting is during Remark, when, you know, everyone first meets Grizabella, everybody's on stage except for Mistopheles, at least in our staging. I have like a moment after the Tiger playoff and I get to go off stage and like chill for two and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other one actually during the ball, Mistopheles is actually kind of chilling for a lot of it. So he has like his moments, his big moments in the ball. But then when like a lot of the, he does the big group dancing, but for a lot of it, he's chilling too in the wings. Nice. Wow. He's like, Hey, go guys. Woohoo. I love yeah, watching yeah. everyone crush at the ball. So talented. Everybody seriously was so talented. It was like always a joy and pleasure to watch in the wings or anytime I could catch my friends doing their thing. It was just like the biggest joy. Yeah. Did you, um, one other kind of tour question, I guess, is what did you like relationships did you add or, or really play into on stage a lot as Mistopheles? Like who were the cats that you gravitated most towards when you were in the show to kind of like, or, or whatever relationships you created with them of like boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> uh, brother, mom, dad, like how did you interact in those? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Tugger one is such a big one. Um, I never like to say, like, specifically if we're together or not. I like to, you know, keep it open, but it was definitely playful with Tugger mm-hmm. the whole time, of course. And then um, Chris was my roommate on tour who played Skimbleshank. So we definitely had some moments, um, some stage moments, but some that we added in ourselves, which are always fun because it's like Miss Stone Skimble. You don't usually think of them together. Yeah. Um, and then. I always felt like Pounceable felt kind of like like a younger, eager Mistopheles to some respect. Um, so that felt fun too. I don't know about like a family relationship. But I feel like Pounceable is like would look at Mistopheles and be like, oh, "Wow, maybe maybe I'll become a magician's apprentice," you know, kind of thing. Yeah. He felt like he had the same kind of energy, which was fun. One day. You're mental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. I want to do some rapid fire to get to the you know, the, the ultimate debate here. So um, <laughs> if you could go on stage tomorrow to play any cat, forget if you could sing it, dance it, male, female, if you could just do one day of any track, which track would you love to do one time? I would love to do Tantamile. <laughs> um Tantamile. Interesting. I've always been like fascinated by the twins, but something about Tantamile specifically, I just think would be so fun. Um, and I mean, Alexio is like phenomenal, but I just think that would be such a good one show. See how it goes. Yeah, the twins are fascinating too, because like you get to do all the jump and everything before, like you get to like almost precursor everything. I love the twins. They're so yeah. cool. <laughs> um, who are your favorite and least favorite characters in the show? In the show? Um, I mean, I love the twins. I think they like add a really interesting kind of mysterious energy to the whole thing. I think I also really love Jenny Annie Dots. Yeah. Giving you giving it all and Michelle, I mean, I had to work with Michelle. She was just amazing. And I also love, I like a lot of the cats. 
Definitely the twins. Jenny Anydance. I mean, Misto's... I love Misto. He's fun. Mm-hmm. Cats that I don't... As cats, as cats. Let's see. Yeah, take the people out of it. Oh, no, 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 I know. I, le- I had a good time with everyone I was on tour with. I'm just trying to... I never was like, oh, I don't like this cat, really. Maybe like... <laughs> maybe like Mungo Jerry. <laughs> it's like enough like be mischievous but like figure it out you know i like it and i like that you also are only picking him like rumple teaser's fine yeah rump kind of i don't know rump i feel has a good handle on like the amount she's like yeah but i'm still you know nice and fun (laughs) but something about mungo felt a little mungo hold too much yeah (laughs) um what is your favorite song in the show Ooh, fun. Okay. I mean, McCavity is so good. <laughs> Definitely probably either McCavity or honestly, the opening. Jellicle mm-hmm. Songs for Jellicle Cats is so good. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's such, like, the music is great. I think it's so clever. And I think it's such a fun way to open a show. And it's, like, totally boom for the audience. They're like, yeah. whoa. And then it like keeps it going, which I think is fun too. <laughs> it's a perfect introduction to the show. I actually, my answer has been McCavity for a while and it's changed over the years, but yeah. right now it's still, that number still is Ooh, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's great. Um, okay. I don't generally talk about the 2019 movie, but if you saw it, especially with the change in Mistopheles' personality, what were your thoughts on that? You know, I think I only saw the first half. Okay. And I, to be honest, I really don't remember. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be whatever, but I really like don't remember. I remember seeing it a little bit. I can't, I don't really remember like watching Mistopheles and being like. They made him really timid. And that was oh, like a big, like everybody okay. was like, Ugh. it's not like the like, big yeah. magical, incredible ma- right, magician. Right. He's just this like shy, little awkward, timid music, um, magician. And, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan, but I'm always curious as someone who got to play it and play the stage production version. Like, were you as insulted as most of the fans were of the the decision to to turn his <laughs> character that way? So, okay, never mind. Um, let's uh, go to the most important question. Here which it is, is, folks. I have argued at length. I don't think Grizabella should have been the the right Jellicle choice, even though I am a big fan of the person who played your Grizabella. So I have argued for almost every other cat at this point, but I want to know you, Paul, if you're old Deuteronomy, who are you making as your joke choice and why? Yeah. See, this is what's funny about this question is that there's so many, there's so many layers to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there's also like my whole big thing during the whole run of the show is like, is this whole tribe just reincarnated cats? Are we just different versions of each other? is this like you know there's so many boom 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 left right left right what is it what is it what is it i'm gonna say the like my my one answer which is if things made sense or all this is just supposed to be whatever is gus i mean come on i know people say gus all the time but it just makes sense like gus is the jellical choice and he's so cute and he's just so good and he's ready like, let him live his life, go to the heavy side layer, and then he can come back and act his little heart out. 
and whatever cat he's reincarnated as, you know? The theater cat, boom. He could be star of every show, Digadaga. The other one, maybe just to like throw it left field, like throw it for a loop, we could send like, <laughs> what would it be like if like Victoria gets sent to the heavy side layer? You know? Because mm. she kind of, yes, she maybe, it's also like, how do you look at it? Is it a reward to go to the heavy side layer? Is it a punishment? I, I think people look at it different ways. So it's like she's accepted Grizabella, and then just when everyone thinks like, oh, she taps the paw, maybe old Deuteronomy is like, oh, wow, because of like, you know, you, you took the courage, you stepped up. Guess what? You get to go. Yes. So you've asked all the questions <laughs> that I have wanted to know and that I don't know an answer on. And I think the two most important ones you, you have you have nailed, which is what is the criteria? And I, I, I kind of always wonder, is it the same every year? And then um, the question about like, is it a reward? Or is it a punishment? Like, what is it? Like, is it how does that factor in? Because depending on how you look at those two things, it could change. Because everyone who's like a lot of the defense of Grizabella is like, well, it's a redemption story. And I'm like, well, is there a cat coming back next year too? Like, like, is there just a bunch of exiled cats that are going to come back every year? Or like, how does that work if this is an annual tradition? No, I know. And then the other thing on top of it is, do they, do you lose consciousness when you come back of your past self? Which Man. like you think, yes, but like, who knows? Maybe like when Grizabella comes back as whatever, she knows she's like aware. She was like, oh, I was Grizabella in this past life. How do I either act differently to not have the same fate? You know, there's mm -hmm. so many layers. So who do you think <laughs> if you, like, was last year's choice? Like, which kitten in the mm -hmm. tribe is was reborn and is now this year? I think Syllabub. Okay. I mean, because she's a baby, sure. Like, she was just born, but... She she gives me reincarnated vibes. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think Victoria, too. I think part of that is the new movie using her as the, like, conduit yeah. for the story. And also, I, I see think that. your Victoria said that of, like, I was last year, I'm back, and that's why she's having her, like, moment of yeah. her And it kind of makes sense, awakening. too. Like, I feel like Victoria, not just with, like, the paw touch, but, like, I feel like throughout, like, Victoria and Grizabella kind of have an interesting thing going on. Mm-hmm. So you're picking Gus. That's what I'm marking down for our, our tallying at home. I, I love it. Um, yeah. I always love whenever it's a non-Grizabella answer. So um, here's my other question about this, though. Did your cast ever discuss this? Like, did you think about this or was it just like, nope, Grizabella's going? Um, I don't think we did. I think it was just like, nope, Grizabella's going. <laughs> just like okay. you said. Um, I mean, I'm sure we like talked about it on our own, like whatever, <laughs> like, oh, da, 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 da. but not like serious, like, yeah, why is Grizabella? Da, da, da. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm slowly trying to change. I'm trying to make all future productions have this as part of rehearsal is like, they're going to have a big no, sit on. down. We got to decide. Why is it Grizabella? What does it mean? What's yeah. the criteria? <laughs> Who came back last year? <laughs> that is my goal is to influence, uh, you have future to make cats. a printout, like a worksheet. Send it I, to the cast. <laughs> there's got to be a book somewhere. Like, there's a book that there's clearly a book that they like give a, li a little bit of the story production. But when this goes on as a licensed production, it's like it's happening for 
two weeks or three weeks regionally. So that you don't get the like Chrissy coming in and telling the full story. You generally get somebody who's doing it. And I call that cat's telephone, which is like, <laughs> you're getting a, a passed down version of it. And that's uh -huh. why there's so many interpretations. And I don't think, yeah. I, I don't know if this was ever discussed at the like initial Broadway and, you know, West end kind of productions. And I'm right. like, this might've just been totally not thought of. And then now it's like, well, should it be thought of like, this is the, the whole yeah. climax of the show. We gotta, we gotta have some, some thought here into the future of this. That's a good point. Well, I'm, I'm so glad it's, that I got a non Griselle answer. It's yeah. in your hands. <laughs> I'm doing the Jellicle Lord's work every day to, to make this a, a priority. So, um, this has been super fun. How can people stay in touch with you on social media and keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah, mostly Instagram. It's just my name with an underscore. So Paul underscore Geritano. Hopefully that's spelled out somewhere in the yeah. It'll be I'll tag notes. it. I'll tag it. Yep. <laughs> um, that's mostly. I don't know. I feel where I put all my stuff and keep up to date with me. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been super fun. I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to record with me and and choose somebody not named Grizabella to keep those numbers moving in the right direction of the competition like between her guys. I do have a big tally and right now Grizabella's still uh in the lead, but she's about she's less than half the votes and okay. Gus is in second. And so I'm like, I'm 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 trying. I'm trying to get this to where he <laughs> takes over and uh yeah. and eventually we get a production where she doesn't go to the heavy side layer and we let the audience choose. You know what my question, I just thought of something. When does old Deuteronomy go? It's a great question. Maybe that's my answer because it's just like, it has to be soon, but who, if he's the one who's ultimately deciding, you know, there's one day the whole tribe is just like, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Or maybe it's he's time. like, maybe he's immortal. I, also, what happens if you go to the heaven? I mean, when you go there on the ninth life, you're done. They're done. So that's Gus, that's the anti-Gus argument, actually, is, is that he doesn't oh, have another one. There's no and one left. That could be I, old dude, too. I actually think my, if I'm doing an old dude, uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm giving him as a jellical choice. I think what ends up happening is Monkus Trap finally, like, assassinates him mid-year. Cause he's like, it's, it's time I'm ready. Like I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I think, I think it happens outside unless, I mean, again, <laughs> no. unless, what's, what's his arc though? Is it, is it a redemption story? It goes back to that million dollar first question. What's the decision criteria yeah, here? That's true. But we'll never know. Cause we only have <laughs> one ball to go off of. I know. One and that's, and that's why I have 130 plus episodes. <laughs> being able to ask these questions that there are super fans asking. So I'm not the first to ever ask these questions. I'm not the only one, right, asking right. These, but I think I'm the only one documenting it <laughs> currently for, for the world to have access to. Yeah. And I think so, people are grateful for that. Well, I will keep your vote as Gus and I'll give you a second vote as old Deuteronomy. Oh, do Yeah. Yeah. We'll throw awesome. it in there. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. So thanks for taking the time to record me. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and threads at The Wrong Cat Died, or check our website, thewrongcatdied.com.
it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 